1: Hello and welcome to the Dom Harvey podcast brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Karen Burger. It
2: doesn't matter how good you're doing, if you're on that high, the lows do come. Um, so it's just being preparing yourself.
1: Yeah, Karen Burger. One of the stars of the Silver Ferns netball team, just recently she played her 50th test which also happened to be a win against Australia and this conversation is part of Karen's story. We talk about her journey from a small town in South Africa to her wildly successful netball career here in New Zealand, how she kept grinding for years despite the challenges, overcoming adversity, the importance of mental health in sports, her thoughts on age and even her Famously single status. This episode is packed with stories of determination and resilience that I reckon we can all learn from. Karen is a real breath of fresh air with a relentlessly positive attitude and outlook on life, so I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. Just before we get into it, massive thanks to the team at Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. Their backing this year has given me the opportunity to grow the podcast in ways that would have been impossible otherwise. Their products are absolutely world-class. So many elite athletes are fans. But all of us can live a better quality of life by consuming Radix products. Don't take my word for it, though. Check them out for yourself. Radixnutrition.co.nz Radix is spelled R-A-D-I-X Radixnutrition.co.nz If you're going to go with their protein powder, I swear by the banana and the coconut flavours, but the whole range is exceptional, to be honest. Once you give their products a go, I will be very surprised if you don't go on to become a regular customer. All right, let's get into it. Karen Berger on the Dom Harvey Podcast. Enjoy.
2: Ah, Thanks for having me. What a lovely day. (laughs) It
1: is 9.30 on a a Monday morning. A little bit of um, behind the scenes here. So uh, you and I have been going backwards and forwards. We set this up maybe a month ago, six weeks ago. And I assumed that you were going to be... An Auckland for netball, but I, I had no idea the significance of the game. So... Yesterday afternoon, it was um, New Zealand versus Australia, and you guys won. Congratulations. And it was your, it was a milestone game. It was your 50th game.
2: Yeah. As a
1: silver fern. And at, at the end, there was a presentation with a big bunch of flowers and yeah. uh, uh, massive highlights. We were playing on the, on the video screen. And here you are the morning after.
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's been a massive couple of months for us, actually. To be honest, a year. Um, heaps of netball. So. It's just good to have finished on a high like that last night. Unfortunately, we didn't come away with the cup because of the goal differentials. But to be able to win the last couple of games against Aussie was amazing. And I wasn't aware of the milestone and that it was happening. So um, I pretty much found out when I arrived at the game. How are you not aware? oh, well, you know, like, we don't track how many games we play. Like, we get told, oh, great, you've played so many games. So um, I knew it was coming up at some point because of the filming that they'd done prior, so I just didn't know when it was going to happen. To be honest, I actually thought I missed it this year. Um, And I think I was watching the men's game before ours, and one of the um, camera people came up to me and was like, oh, congratulations. I was like, oh, on what? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much when I found out. But it's good to not know because that just adds a bit of extra. Extra pressure on you that you don't need. Need you know? Celebrations and surprise afterwards, quite nice.
1: Yeah, but it must be a nice time to, I don't know, maybe take take a moment to pause and reflect on where you've come from. Because, uh, I, I, I mean, I, before I started researching for this chat, I, I thought I knew the Karen Burger story. <laughs> uh, I thought talented netballer, maybe got shoulder tapped to come to New Zealand, and sort of develop here, <laughs> yeah, but the. The actual story is quite different, and we'll we'll get into this, but you moved here when you were 18. You -hmm. weren't on anyone's radar when it Mm -hmm. came to, like, high-performance sport, yeah. and you just, (laughs) like, grind and grafted away for many
2: years. Yeah. um, I think people quite often ask me, like, why did you make, Like, what made you make the big move? Um, And at that point, like, when you're 18, you just want to go do something. You want to have fun. Like, any adventure is a good adventure. So mum mentioned that she had family here. I was actually here at Aussie. Um, Dad had a best friend over there, or mum had family here, which I hadn't met at that point. Um, But I thought, yeah, why not? And I just came for a holiday for a gap year, and that (laughs) turned into 12 years. Um, And I think... The netball was a good driving force for me to want to keep, to stay, um, but I also started building a life outside of that, and I think that's what helped with that grind. It uh, didn't take, or took me up to seven years before I actually pulled on that black mm. dress, so, um, and again, people ask me how how you lasted that long or how you kept grinding, but if you've got stuff, other stuff that you can focus on and also not have all your eggs in one basket, that's just a part of your life. Um, so, yeah, I really started building a life mm. for myself in New Zealand, and that's why I could have. St- and keep doing what I was doing.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good message, and we'll we'll dig really deep into into all that as we get through. First, first of all, I just want to go back to last night a little bit. Mm. So, so the day of a big game like that, New Zealand versus Australia, um, what does what, what does the day look like? So you get up in the morning.
2: <laughs> yeah, game day is pretty much Groundhog Day. To be honest, it was a bit of an earlier game, so we didn't have the as much downtime as we usually do. But we get up in the morning. We go to our captain's run. That's mainly for our shooters to just go shoot. Um, we've this last couple of series, we have started because we've got a lot of young ones in our team, and um, we've started uh, a.
1: So you're thirty. Oh my Oh, what's, yes. what's a young one?
2: Oh, no, we've got like babies, like 19 year olds, <laughs> like 20, 21 year olds, like they're really babies. Um, so um, we've started this dancing um, circle and we just dance to start off with the captain's run. It just gets the vibe going and that, um, yeah, just some fun. And then the shooters get to shoot to so finish off our captain's run, go back to the hotel, pretty much eat and rest and eat and rest and eat and rest until we have to strap and get ready for the game. So it's a pretty chill day. Um, but yeah, pretty much Groundhog Day for for game days. Uh, Are you nervous
1: the day of a game?
2: (laughs) Um, yes and no. I don't think the nerves kick in for me personally until I'm actually out there on court, especially standing, singing the anthem or sometimes in the changing room, um, And it depends on the magnitude of the game as well. Um, But once that whistle goes, it's gone because then the adrenaline kicks in and you're good to go. So it's just managing that stress beforehand so it just doesn't override um, your performance.
1: Mm. And and so what happened in the series? So the first two games, Australia um, beat New Zealand quite convincingly by like sort of 10 points each game mm. and then the second two games you guys turned it around completely they were they were tight wins but they were still wins
2: yeah I think um a home advantage counts quite a lot for the team whoever in whoever's country it's played and Australia had a massive um crowd like two massive stadiums um and also they're the reigning champs I mean well deserved they play amazing netball but we also knew that we can do better we're way better than what we've been putting out there so it's just good to have seen in the last couple of games We started clicking and then we had that eighth player, the crowd backing us as well. Mm. So we really just wanted to um, put some pride in that dress and um, play for the country because we've had massive support, which is amazing. We're very grateful for. So we just want to put it out there for the fans Mm. as well.
1: Yeah, it must have been a strange... uh Feeling for Australia last night because um, they just lost the game. Um, The series was tied to all and they won this trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Must be really weird, like losing a game and then after giving it everything and then winning it. It must feel like a bit of a hollow victory in a way. I know.
2: It was an interesting vibe because, like, (laughs) even though we lost, we were quite excited and happy because we'd won the game and obviously they'd lost their game, but they still won the cup. And I think there's the discussions are up there about whether we add a fifth game.
1: Yeah, a um, decider makes yeah, sense. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I mean, like they well deserved that win because their goal differentials were a lot higher, and when you going, and that was the nature of the of the cup. So we may need to make sure next time if we do lose, we can't lose by heaps mm. like that. But yeah, hopefully on the cards we can add another game in there, and make it a t- um, tight deciding game. Um, but yeah, that will just add <laughs> add to the time that we're away from home mm. as well, and add to the load. But yeah, I guess we get to do this because we're fortunate enough to play in that black dress, so what's an extra game?
1: Yeah. And then and then what happens after the game? Uh as I said it's Monday morning. We're recording this at nine thirty. You're looking <laughs> Amazing. It's, it hasn't been an all-nighter, clearly.
2: <laughs> no, no. Um, luckily, because it was an early game last night, quite a lot of um, the girls jumped on early flights to go home. Like I've mentioned, it's been a massive um, month for us, um, and also this time these mums in the team have been away from their kids for a while, so everybody just wanted to get home. Um, so pretty much most of the team jumped on, their, on planes earlier to go home. Um, a couple of us stayed behind for some other things, but, yeah, usually after game. Everybody's so tired. <laughs> Just want to go home, have a really good feed and get into bed because <laughs> generally we've got late games, so we don't get to bed by like up till 11.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I think you'd be out for like a, a team dinner or some celebratory drinks or something. Is it not, not like that? Um, Sometimes, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes, yeah.
2: yeah it depends on the vibe. Um, I think we spend so much time together <laughs> that having an extra dinner is not necessarily what everybody's wanting at that time. Everybody just wants to get back to their significant <laughs> yeah. others and, and their families. So, um, yeah, I think we've seen enough of each other this year to not want to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, speaking of significant others, so um, you're sort of famously single. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's become like a... Um, Okay. I don't know, like a like a footnote in the in the story. But um I believe there might be there, there might be someone simmering.
2: Oh gosh. Uh
1: now your your teammate and friend Maya Wilson, I oh, I my God. I tapped into her for some um and she's been on the podcast previously yeah. and I, I tapped into her for some info and she said well I mean I, I know the story that she told me, but obviously there's two sides to every Oh you look embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> obviously oh, okay. there's two sides to every story, so I'm keen to hear your version of events. Um yeah. keywords Christchurch Corylands
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah oh gosh Um I guess, yeah, big 30 and single. Um, I am a little bit picky. Um, I think it's with more with my time more so than anything else um, that unless I really feel like there's something or that I feel like I'm in the right place personally, quite often it's not to do with the other person, but me as well. um, I don't want to drain my energy and I'm a firm believer of the right person at the right time will happen. So I'll just wait for that to happen. But yeah, um, but. the team's always trying to play Cupid um, with me, which is really cute. Uh, is, it annoying? Is, it, is it cute or is
1: it annoying? Annoying um, sometimes?
2: Uh, no, I, they've only got my best interest at heart. Um, so I don't mind that. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm a big enough girl to be like, no, stop now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's really cute. But yeah, <laughs> oh gosh, the latest one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a, we had a, lady that was a it's a massive netball supporter um and she's beautiful she still sends me messages it's really cool um and I think she probably just asked in the team who's single because she's got a son that (laughs) that's also single so tried to play matchmaker there yeah (laughs) That's probably as far as I'll go <laughs> at the moment because <laughs>
1: that's as far as it's gotten. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, can, can I fill in some of the, some of the blanks according to my award? Oh gosh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So apparently you guys are in the lounge sitting as a team and this, this woman comes over and she's like, oh, who's single? Who's single? My son's single. Which one of you guys is single? So it's like she just wanted a netballer, not necessarily <laughs> zoning in on Karen Burger. And then... Yeah. And then you, she made you follow her son on Instagram and he's a doctor or a radiologist. Well, or something? we
2: haven't followed each other, but,
1: um. Oh, I heard there was a couple of DMs that have gone back. Yeah, and we've forwards.
2: messaged. Yeah. But, um, again, like busy schedule, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, he's a doctor. So he's busy as well. But
0: yeah, That's,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those stories. If it ends up, if it ends up, I mean, the chance is very slim that it's, it's going to end up being you know, your soulmate. But in the event that it is, it's a hell of a meat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, to be honest, at this point, the people how I meet people are quite interesting um I'm not overly social um and that's what my mum and my sister always tells me you can't sit at home and expect <laughs> to meet the right guy so and I'm also fussy about um social media. I'm old school in that way. I like being approached either in person um or just not on social media, but I know that's the way things go these days, so um, it's more so about how they approach me on social media as well, which sometimes can throw me off or not. so
1: how do you mean what throws you off?
2: I think it's how uh like if you go directly into my looks or uh, like that kind of stuff I don't yeah
1: oh, okay if the first comment on a dm is something superficial it's like yeah yeah. Mm. yeah
2: so it's all about how you he talked to me in the first instance as well wh- whether I'll mm. give you that attention or not
1: <laughs> so <laughs> you, you seem yeah. you seem incredibly um self-assured like where does this come from oh, I, don't, I don't mean that in a negative in a, in no, way either uh, I think it's a good thing
2: yeah um It can be a good and a bad thing
1: sometimes. (laughs) Um, I'm guessing a lot of people find it intimidating.
2: That's what I've heard. And I think that's probably also why I probably am single at this point. Um, I've I've like heaps of my guy friends tell me that I come across quite intimidating, which is like like I'm really not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's just. Part of it has got to do with having moved to New Zealand um, at 18 and having to, you know, just fight my own way and find my own way. And um, being alone quite often, you just have to be comfortable with yourself and spending that time with yourself. Um, I mean, raised um, by mum and dad in a way that we were able to go out and do that kind of thing and just want the most out of life and be self-assured in ourselves um, and know who we are and be happy with ourselves, regardless of what the outside world says. Or does so, um, yeah, fortunate to have had that upbringing. Um, I mean, the person I was when I first moved to New Zealand is completely different to who I am now. Um,
1: yeah, I've heard, I've heard you refer to yourself as being sort of shy and introverted,
2: yes, very, years ago. but very, I mean, you go, you
1: go through a lot of growing up in your 20s, don't yeah, you? Yeah,
2: i look to be honest, I'm I would still say I am shy. Um, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a a balanced thing for me. I would still say I'm shy at times, um, but definitely have grown up quite a lot since I probably, when I first moved, I would not have spoken unless it was spoken to me. I would just like hide in the corners. I wouldn't want to do anything. Um, whereas now I try and put myself out there. I've realized over the last few years or like over the years that I've been in New Zealand, any opportunity is a great opportunity. So I have to put myself out there, even though it puts me in an uncomfortable position sometimes. So, um, and that's worked well for me. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, that's plenty enough about your dating life. We can we can move move on. But have have you been in love before? Have you had a relationship, a long term relationship before? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um. I mean, when I was a lot a lot younger, uh, I think since being in New Zealand, I haven't had a long term li-
1: relationship. Um, really? But you moved here when you're eighteen.
2: Yeah, I know. That's single for a very long time, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Um. No, I've like talked to people here and there, but never like I mentioned, the time. And especially with netball being so busy, I just never had the time to really um, want to spend that um, on a significant other. I think I was really just focusing on myself. But yeah, back in the day, I had at high school, I had a a, a partner for, well, boyfriend for three years. Um, Yeah. And then before I moved to New Zealand, I had a long distance relationship for about a year or so. And just ended up um having to end that because he had a life in South Africa, I had a life in New Zealand. I just didn't see that working or going anywhere. So yeah, we ended that. And yeah, ever since it's just been me grinding away by myself. So but the right person will come at the right time. hundred oh, percent. Yeah.
1: Um something else Maya Wilson said is that you she described you as a shopaholic and she said wherever <laughs> she said um and she even said um uh, Pretty much every city you go to, apart from Invercargill.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: By the way, apologies oh Invercargill.
2: Gosh, <laughs> um, like um, because I am just me. I don't have kids to take care of. I don't have a partner or anything. So pretty much the money I have, I can spend on myself. So I was like, um, I'm very big on budgeting though. Like I know I spend, um, but I make sure that I can spend the money that I do spend. Um, so this time around, I took an extra little hand luggage. You would have seen me coming in this morning with my extra little um, roller case. Yeah, there's
1: a chicken suitcase and uh, carry-on. Yeah. yeah, What did did you buy?
2: Yeah, so the carry-on was empty when I left. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: Yeah. I Oh, gosh, what what did I buy? Um, I bought the shoes I'm wearing. Uh, I bought some boots. Uh, I bought a dress. I'm going to the races in November in Christchurch. With uh, bought a summer dress. Uh, gosh, I bought some oh face products. <laughs> yeah, anything and everything, really. Right. Yeah.
1: God, you must be exhausted by the time the game plays. <laughs> oh, gosh. Where's Karen? Oh, she's been shopping all day. That's my
2: therapy, though. Like, I, yeah. even though I don't buy anything, it's just nice to get out of the house Um and just get amongst people and in the shops and things. Uh, it's just my retail therapy. Yeah. Oh,
1: fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so let's go. Let's go all the way back. Um, back into the early days of Karen Burger. So, t- t- tell me about South Africa. W- where are you from? You're from like a small country town?
2: Yeah. Um, I usually just say Cape Town, but
1: it's a few hours away. though. Yeah,
2: about a three hour drive. But <laughs> it's like three hour drive up the west coast. Um, quite a small town. Um went to an even smaller town from that town in primary school because mum was my first grade um, teacher she's a the a teacher for the first grades there um Primary school in a very small town, slightly bigger town for high school, um, but all my sports and everything was pretty much in Cape Town every weekend, so I um, spent a lot of time in that area, um, so I'm quite familiar with that area as well.
1: What's it, what's it, I've never been to South Africa, but um, one, thing, one of the first things that, that gets sort of brought up is um, just how, how violent and unsafe the place is in terms of carjackings and stuff. Is that your experience? I think, Does it get a bad rap,
2: yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> growing up there um it 's just you know what to do and what not to do, and I think if you stick to those rules you 're quite all right. sometimes you can be a bit unlucky at times, um but since living in New Zealand, I have realized how bad it can get mm. um, and how amazing it can be, um and going back home. I do real. I definitely notice it's ramped up in the last few years as well. And um, when I speak to my family again, I realise how South Africans that live there are just so used to it that they don't necessarily know how bad it can be. Mm. Um, but for it's an amazing place. I love going there on holiday. Um, again, if you go with the right people and you know what to do and what not to do, it's it's all right. It's all good. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a sense of having to look over your shoulder. Uh, Quite often. Yeah,
0: although,
1: like, and, and saying that, just while you were giving that answer, I mean, you know, New, New Zealand, we're not entirely safe anymore anyway, are we? There's, you know, ram raids all the time, and yeah. we've got our own issues.
2: I think every country has yeah. their positives and negatives, and like my sister, I know she loves the country itself, it's beautiful, um, and the people, like she's especially saying with the Rugby World Cup at the moment, it's amazing how rugby can bring everybody together and how um, supportive everyone is at the moment, and the vibes in South Africa at the moment over there, so, so, it definitely has
0: its positives. Mm. Don't get me wrong. So it's not it's not the worst country. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, by the time this podcast comes out, it's gonna be old news. But yeah, the Rugby World Cup final is next weekend. It's New Zealand, mm. South Africa. Um one one country you were born in and spent eighteen years, one country that you've represented in sport for the last five years and spent mm. twelve years in. Who who are you who do you root for?
2: Yeah, I've <laughs> heard this quite often um over <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Um people keep asking me that too. Um I think values-wise and morals-wise, um, I can't justify not um, supporting the All Blacks. I live in a country I play for the country, I represent the country, I benefit from the country, so for that reason I would support the All Blacks, but um, obviously have that little piece of heart <laughs> with South Africa, so I won't be gutted as yeah. they do. Yeah. it.
1: What are you like in South Africa as a, as a young girl? You were a high jumper, eh?
2: I was, yeah. Well, small town, so there wasn't many options to do in terms of um, sport, uh, but I tried to do as much as I possibly can. Um, my two, like, main ones were in the winter netball and in the summer it was high jump um, but gosh I'd played tennis, I did a bit of gymnastics if there was any dance classes I would go do that Um, and I think when I was about 14 uh, I tore uh, my cartilage in my knee and I had to have an operation and at that point mum was like right I know you love doing all this stuff but I think we're overdoing it a little bit with your body you need to pick and choose what you want to do so at that point I was like right okay in the winter I'll do netball in the summer I'll do um high jump and I loved high jump it was so good but it's a very individual sport Mm -hmm. um anybody in athletics will probably be able to tell you that it's a good community um don't get me wrong but you when you're competing it's pretty much you, just you. So I sort of leaned a little bit more towards the netball.
1: The team sport. How did you mess up your knee at the age of fourteen? Like um a cartilage tear. That sounds like an older person's injury, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> I
2: know. Um well apparently according to the doctor, because of the high jump, the constant like landing and twisting on the leg and then the the netballs, that constant like jarring on the knees. Um and I guess at that age you don't really do much prehab rehab kind of stuff no, no. so um which when you get older, you sort of regret a little bit. But yeah, I think just overdoing it a little bit too much on everything hmm. um, and not managing myself well enough at that age. But yeah, it's, they're holding up so far. Yeah.
1: Oh, listen, <laughs> you played your 50th game for New Zealand last night. You're doing, the old knees are doing just fine. Uh-huh. So did they, did they operate at the time? Did they like scrape you out, clean you yeah, out?
2: Yeah. Well, funny enough, because at that age, they were like, you're quite young. We don't want to take yeah. any of it out. Yeah. So they tried to just stitch it up and see if they can obviously there's not much blood flow to that area so it was going to be a risk whether it was going to work or not but it ended up working and um, but over the years the last few years especially they've got you know, damage to them again. I've got a few tears here or there, but mm. not significant enough for me to have to do anything about it. So, it's just managing them,
1: really. Yeah, because I, I was wa- knowing that you were coming around today. I watched the game last yesterday afternoon yeah. under a different sort of lens, I guess. And I uh, was <laughs> in particular like focusing on you. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot of jumping around, isn't there? <laughs> a, I, I yeah, was thinking yeah. about your knees. It's remarkable that you've that you've had and continue to have the career that you have um, given this um this knee issue at the age of 14 that could have that could have spelt the end of any sort of like dreams or hope really couldn't it
2: yeah well at that time when it did happen the doctor did say look um as little as much sport (laughs) like if at all going forward and I was like well that's not happening (laughs) I was determined to be like, no, that's definitely not me. Um, So I guess you just get back on the grind. You just have to listen to your body. Um, Sometimes you can do things, sometimes you can't. And I think that's where physios and doctors come in quite well. They know what every individual is capable of doing or what they can't do. Uh, Unfortunately, the way I play is quite hard on my knees and my ankles. Um, But I'm going to do it for as long as I can, um, as much as I can, until the body gives in, and then I'll go and enjoy the rest of my life. Yeah. And I, I think,
1: um, yeah, one thing that the um, the well-meaning medical experts can't necessarily take into account is um, probably someone's like will or mm. determination. So they can say, oh, you you probably shouldn't do sport, but it's like yeah. they don't know you as, an, as a person or what your mindset is. The
2: mind is an amazing yeah. thing. Um, and it's helped me at times of the worst of times um in times when you think you literally can't do it anymore um it's really pulled me through so i think that's the aspect of sport where you really have to hone in at times Mm. um and it doesn't matter how good you're doing. If you're on that high, um, the lows do come. Um, so it's just being preparing yourself because it's a roller coaster. It mm. really is. Um, and to dig yourself out of that and stay on that high, is, is, it's a tough one. It's quite hard.
1: Yeah, we, we will get into all that stuff because there definitely has been um, some adversity in the Karen Burger story, hasn't there? <laughs> um, I mean, one thing that springs to mind, I guess, is um, the Commonwealth Games last year where you had like an ankle injury. Um, that must have been devastating. We'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, so you're growing up in South Africa okay you good at netball yeah you great at netball
2: <laughs> yeah I mean I made it into the rep teams yes um I was being selected in those teams so I, I was all right I was good <laughs> um it's quite hard sometimes I, I don't like talking too much about um, um my performances but yeah I the year before I decided to move over um I just played uh, the under-21s, the Protea um, squad had just had their trials, I think it was in December, um, and I got selected in the group to go into the final final trials, but at that point I was like, right, do I stick it out here, or do I go for this opportunity in New Zealand? Not much offering for me in New Zealand.
1: Would it have been easier for you to stay in your home country yeah. and make your national team there?
2: It's tough. I really take my hat off to the to the players that do play for South Africa because up until recently it was not a paid position. Um and I know people that played in the South Africa or know of people that 're studying for years and years and years because they just weren't flexible the unis aren't as flexible to be able to allow you to go do that you can't maintain a job necessarily um if you want to go do that so it's just the grind is a lot mm. harder um I really take my hat off to those people and I think personally for the the my with my personality and the person that I am, I probably wouldn't have kept playing if I stayed in South Africa. Um, I would have wanted to make a living. I would have wanted to be able to support my family. I would have wanted to have a successful life. And it just sounds like it's really hard. Most of those starting lineup players for the pro tiers play overseas. They go and play domestically in another country. And then it's two lives. You're asking them to have Mm. one life in one country for half of the year. And then you're having to go back to your home country. So... um, yeah, it's a tough one.
1: So, so is netball more professional here than what it is in South Africa? Definitely, do, 100%. You, do you, you guys yeah. get paid okay? Do yeah. You, do you get paid a match fee or a salary? How yeah. does it work? Yeah,
2: look, um, there's always going to be the drive to want to be paid more, but coming from a country that don't get paid at all, <laughs> um I know how amazing it is and even from when I started to where we are now there's been increases so I'm not complaining obviously striving for more but um, I'm quite happy it's it's easier when you are playing for both domestic and international you can make a living out of it it's a bit harder when you don't have that international salary and you're having to find a job that only does half the year because the first half of the year you're pretty much in your domestic season so you're away from Work quite a lot, so it's a little bit harder. Mm. Mm. So,
1: do, do some of the does some of the girls have jobs?
2: Um, I don't think anybody in the ferns at the moment right. have any jobs. Maybe some contract work here or there, just to take them over. Um, but domestically, yes, um, there's a lot of girls, uh, and and that's also how the schedule for the domestic teams have to adjust to allow those players to have a job.
0: Mm. Um,
2: because as great as it is to be playing and being paid for netball, they still need to have a life outside of netball and they still need that job. So we need to accommodate them as well.
1: So when does the seed get planted about you moving to New Zealand? <laughs> I, I heard it was like a secret from your dad.
2: Yeah. You bounced the idea yeah. off your mum. and <laughs> It but, happened really quickly. Look, um, I was in my last year of school Um, and around like June, July, I think my uncle and aunt who live here, it's mum's cousin. Um, they went to visit, they've been living in New Zealand for more than 20 years now. And we were in Cape Town one day and mum was like, right, well, my cousins over from New Zealand, they're at the airport at the moment. They're literally just about to go back to New Zealand. Let's just go say hi. So we went to the airport, had a chat as mums do. You know, they boast about their kids and they mention that I play netball. And, <laughs> um, yeah, my uncle was like, oh, well, why don't you send her over? Let her come stay with us for a year. I thought this was a joke. Like, we just went about life for the next month or what. Started applying for universities for the following year. Started, um, applied for some scholarships because I would have had, needed a scholarship. Um, didn't hear anything from the unis. You can, in South Africa, can be literally wait to the last minute before you hear anything so by like October um I wasn't sure what was happening the following year and then my uncle messaged mum he was like no but we're serious like are you sending her over um and at that point we're like right well we've got nothing to lose um uh, dad is a little bit harder to convince sometimes with these big decisions in life. <laughs> well, why? Um,
1: because he's protective? or Were you a yeah, daddy's girl? Or?
2: Yeah. Well, um, oh, he's just, he loves security mm. and not necessarily taking too many risks. Um, that's where mum's a good balance for him because mum quite liked taking those risks. Um, and so we knew it's, it was going to take a while um, to get dad across that line. But, This is the funny thing with dad. We're always like, it starts out with, he would argue against it. Like we'll say something and he'll completely argue against it. But the more you talk about it, eventually he just, he just listens. He won't argue anymore. He'll just listen. And then he gets to the point where he starts agreeing and he starts talking with. So, um, I think we fast tracked that process a little bit. Um, so we did all of that stuff in the background, did all the visas and everything that needed to be done. And, um, we started talking about it. Not that I was going, but (laughs) there's a possibility that, you know, it might be quite nice. And I don't think we told him till about like a month before I left, like, no, this is actually happening now. And for that first two or three years, whenever Mum would miss me or I'd be homesick or anything, um, He would just be like, no, you wanted to send her there. You guys decided to do this. So don't sulk and cry about it now. So, but I mean, he's one of my biggest supporters now. Um, like he wouldn't want it any other way. So he's proud of me. He supported me. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, he was a bit. Mm, about two in two minds about the whole thing, but he supported me regardless. Um and now that, you know, there's some success story behind it, um yeah, yeah he's I guess he's pretty proud. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, well you look you look back and um everything's worked out fine and it's working out fine. But um yeah, as I alluded to before, tough fucking grind. <laughs> tough grind. So 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 you, you yeah. come here, was mm-hmm. well you, you didn't have like, like laser point focus on the silver ferns, are you? you were just here to have a good time and
2: Yeah, look, to be honest, um Everybody's got a dream. It was never a goal. It was a dream. Um, and with a dream, you don't necessarily think that it is um, possible. So I was like, it would be amazing to play for the Silver Ferns, but I never made it a goal. Um, I've tried changing my mind over the, or my way of thinking over the years, where I don't like to um, put too much attention um, on something that, because if it doesn't work, I don't like that disappointment feeling. Mm. Um, But I've had to change that because to reach those high things, you have to put a lot of time and effort into it. So at that point, I was like, I'm just here. I'm just trying to enjoy my life. Um, I joined a local club who to this day, um, like a family to me, they're massive supporters, love them all. Um, So pretty much joined a local club and I just played. They gave me opportunities. They sent me to reap stuff. Like I, my raw skills coming over, I was not, the best netballer <laughs> I had so much to learn like my club coach benched me at times I got in, put into second teams and I didn't make it into um rep teams for years you know it, it it wasn't easy but I decided to build a life for myself outside and have other things to focus on I had studies outside of, of netball I tried to work wherever I could I had to work um, to support myself um so yeah, it was, a, it was a really tough grind, but along the journey, I met the most amazing people that, that I still talk to to this day that um, have meant a lot to me and have helped me throughout that process, so um, it's, just, it's been a fun journey. Mm. Yeah. yeah,
1: so what did those first couple of years look like? Because uh, like, I'm imagining if I was in your position, you're on the other side of the world, you're so far away from home, every time there's some sort of hurdle or obstacle or adversity, you must feel so homesick.
2: Yeah. um, What what
1: were you doing in those early years? You found a job.
2: Yes. Well, my first year I was here on a visitor's visa, and you're not allowed to work or do anything or study or anything. So I pretty much just enjoyed that year, just tried to – you know, see what New Zealand's like and just experience it. Um, and then I had a serious sit down with mum over Skype <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at the end of that year. And she's like, right, what's happening over there? Are you enjoying it? How, what's happening? I was like, mum, I'm really enjoying it. But at that moment in time, I knew what it was going to cost for me to stay in New Zealand. Um, and I'm like, we're not the wealthiest of families, like, you know, just an average Joe family. So I knew that if I wanted to stay, I would have had to go study. And international study cost is astronomical uh, or especially in our eyes at that Mm. time so I was like mum I really love it here but I'm not going to put that on you because I know it costs a lot and she's like we're going to make this work obviously they had to go um, get some money somewhere um, put themselves in debt a little bit and that's why to this day I'm not doing what I do just for myself I do it for my family as well because they offered up so much for me to be here and do what I do so At that point, I was like, great, I can go study. Mum was like, we're going to make this work. So my first year of studies, um, I joined the Institute of Sports and I was like, I need to work extremely hard because I need a scholarship the next year. I can't let my mum and dad have to put up any more money for me. So... I worked my butt off to try and um, get the best grades. I think I got distinction that year. Um, and I had to work as much as I possibly could because I didn't want to ask them for any more money because <laughs> um, they already spent too much money on me. So I had to work for the money I had. Uh, I mean, I was working at Mecca's on Sundays just to afford my train tickets for the week, um, going in and out of the hut in the Wellington. So, um, but it's character building. I mean, I wouldn't take that back for anything. Uh, I learned a lot about myself and what it costs to be where I am. Um, and then I guess after the studies, it just turned into work placements. Um, I built the right connections. The place where I studied offered me a job. So, um, yeah, it was it was a tough first five years in New Zealand.
1: <laughs> oh, that's such a great story. That's <laughs> such a great story. Talk about. Um... Uh, yeah i don't know added stress or added motivation to make it work like when you've got your parents with skin in the game like that what do they do? do they mortgage the house get a bank loan what do they um
2: yeah they put more money on their home loan they put put more money on the mortgage and i think dad um I think he approached one of his mates or something, who's a massive supporter of me too, um, and so I mean, still paying those off. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. It was a big amount, um, so and that's why whenever I can, however I can, um, I support whichever mm-hmm. way possible. They they don't like asking for help ever, um, but. That's a great thing. I think I was talking to my mum this morning as well. Our family are quite tight-knit, and we're happy to help wherever we can. We never ask, but we always offer, Um, and I'm quite fortunate to be in that situation. I know there's a lot of people that don't have those kind of family situations, so... Yeah, I love them to bits.
1: <laughs> wow, that's really, really cool. But also so much pressure at that young age. Do You, do you look back now from the lens of a 30-year-old woman and think, oh. so I'm guessing then you were nineteen, twenty. Like if, if you had your time again, you'd, you'd probably be like, don't borrow the money.
2: Oh, my gosh. I th- uh, That's why it's so amazing that those kind of decisions only happen once. Mm. Um, and again, it goes back to me, the way things are supposed to happen, it will happen uh, as long as I put my – best effort forward and I do the best I can um whatever needs to happen will happen so if I know I've done I've given it my all and it doesn't happen it wasn't supposed to Mm. um and if whatever happens there's always doors that open and closes so I love opportunities I grab them or whenever they come my way um whether they're Good or bad, or whether they work out or not, I meet people along the way that then puts me in other directions. So that was an opportunity that I grabbed that my um, family helped me with. Um, and it was amazing. this World Cup was in South Africa in August, July August. Um, and this was the first time um since leaving home where I had my whole family that was supporting me on the sidelines and they were so vocal. I think, they probably enjoyed the whole process or the whole thing more than I did. Um, and I think that was important for me to to show them my Thanksgiving and give back to them as much as I possibly could. Um, and whenever they talk about coming to visit to New Zealand, um, I'm like stoked because they've only ever been here once, all of them. Um, always trying to convince them to move over, but I know it's a big move for them. <laughs> they got the whole family. So, yeah. Um, that's a dream of mine to have them all here. Um, but we'll see how that goes. They're
1: probably like, Karen, we can't afford it. We gave you that money. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I know, right? So I was like, I need to find ways. I need to make a success. I need to find ways to to help them, support them, because I know um, a lot of them are keen. My brother, he's very keen um, to move over. But, um, again, it's almost like a package deal. Um I'm quite fortunate, and sometimes I do feel a little bit guilty being here because I'm the one that left, and I'm the one that gets to benefit and enjoy the life that I have now, Um, and as much as they all want to move, they're all like, but we don't want to go without each other. At times, I do feel a little bit guilty for being here by myself, but um, like my uncle, who also made that big move themselves, like someone needs to make that move to open the doors for others, so...
1: Um why, yeah. why do you can you explain that or elaborate on that a bit why do you why do you feel guilty um
2: i think it is because I mean, they put so much time and effort and money into me being here and I get to enjoy it. Um, And I know if they could, they'd move tomorrow. (laughs) Um, But obviously there's like the age with mum and dad's age come into play. Um, Money side definitely is massive come into play um and they've got families now like I moved at a time where it was just me and they supported me to do that whereas they've all got families to support Mm. so it's a big decision it's so much harder for them to be able to make that move um and it's just that constant support from them to be able to allow me to do this I'm quite grateful that I get to be in this position and even though they want to they're not necessarily in a position to so I'll try my best to do the most I can to help support them to do that now
1: yeah and also you you, I mean you you say you're the one that gets to enjoy it but (laughs) fuck it wasn't an easy road like it was you you were here seven years before you made the silver silver ferns like were were there times where you thought about like tapping out um and going uh, back or not not really I
2: think the first three or four years um because we're such a tight-knit family and um whenever anything happens I'm immediately on the phone to mum or my sister um to talk through the through it with them. And because we're such a tight knit family, I really missed that element of it. Um and so whenever I missed home or just needed somebody around me or things just weren't going my way or things were just too hard, I did consider. I was like, is this where I pull the plug? Is this where I go home? But then I just reminded myself, no, they've put the time and effort into me being here. This isn't going to be forever. Um, I was determined to do something with my life here. Um and so I just suck it out I like sucked it up and mm. just kept going. <laughs> um with the support obviously from them. Um and I think it wasn't till I started playing ANZ level and I started seeing the results that I was like, okay, no, I can, I think I can, I can do this now.
1: You, you just get enough, enough of a taste of success to know that you're on the right track sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 What, did you have a plan B? <laughs> like you, you said you were studying before. What were, yeah. you, what were you studying for?
2: Well, at that point I just studied um, uh, towards a sports science degree. Um, but, It was pretty much just something to tick me over um, and keep the brain ticking over. And it was something that I was interested at that time. Um, But I'm going to go back into studies next year. Um, I've discovered a new interest in nutrition, um, which I really love. And I think that's the tough thing about being a netballer is having something else after netball and preparing yourself mm. for it as well. Because
1: yeah, the end is going to come. It's inevitable.
2: Exactly. And it's either going to
1: come, if you're very lucky, it's going to come on your own terms. Otherwise, yes. it's, you're going to be dumped or you're going to be injured.
2: Exactly. So that's why there's this constant thing in the back of my mind. I need to work on that kind of stuff as well. And so... But I also want to do something that I enjoy and that I would want to do. I don't want to just have to get up every morning and go do a job because I have to. I want to do it because I love it and I want to. And so it took me a while to find something that I'm actually interested in doing. Um, And it wasn't until my injury last year that I got some downtime and I got to reflect a little bit on things and change a few things and how I do, um, like with things about my own nutrition. And that's where that spark and started interesting me about. What nutrition and what how the food supplements the body and and what it does and so that's where I was like I think this is something I can do um so yeah I'm going back into studies next year thirty year old going back into <laughs> studies trying to do it part time mixing it with netball as well so God, I don't know
1: how you fit yeah. everything in <laughs> um
2: ah uh, look because of the grind that I did my first few years um I pretty much got up in the mornings five a.m. to go to the gym um to make it to school on time and then at lunch times I might do some personal training sessions go back to school after school I always had work um trainings in the evening so my days were very long back when I used to do the grind so nothing is is too much for me anymore um actually I feel guilty sometimes when i'm sitting at home not doing anything on a day off i'm like why am i just sitting doing nothing i could be doing something right now um but i also want to try and get myself into the mentality of i need to enjoy this while i have it as well so yeah uh it's it's easier now because of what i've been through
1: Mm. wow that's really inspiring I mean the fact that you came here and you worked, you worked so hard to get to where you are today. It's really cool. like there must have been so many so many points along the along the way where you thought about giving up or you wondered if you're on the right track yeah. and um so much pressure on your shoulders as well.
2: Mm. <laughs> support system honestly, um I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support system. the right people um to encourage you at times um or the right people to tell you when you're being. Um, too much or when you're not doing too much um, especially now and throughout my netball career as well um, when you're just feeling a little bit down in yourself you just need that support system to be like no you can do this or sometimes when you're at the top you're like don't get too cocky you know you've got to um, you know Take the situation, enjoy it while mm. you can, but there's lows coming as well. So, um, your support system is massive.
1: Yeah. So you made your silver fins debut uh, September 2018. You get sent off. What, what what happened there? I tried to find the clip online. I couldn't couldn't find it anywhere. Which oh, is probably great. lucky for you. Great. This could have been the beginning and the end of your.
2: Honestly, I felt this was the end. I was like, I'm uh, this is me. I'm done. Um, adrenaline pumping, inexperience. Um, playing against a very experienced player. <laughs> um, I didn't feel like the send-off was necessarily bad enough uh, or the what they sent me off for was bad enough, but I knew the situation that got me to that point um, prior to the game starting the umpires did tell us that if you're on a warning you have to be extremely careful and so yes the warning was warranted uh, I probably went for a ball I shouldn't have gone for <laughs> um, wasn't playing rugby I was playing netball <laughs> Um and so I was on the warning and that's where the discipline comes in, the experience come in. And, um, I just ran a ju- jumped a pass and, um, Joe Harton stepped into me to pass the ball. And obviously I landed on her. So that cost me my send off and it was. The fastest and the slowest two minutes of my life. <laughs> I had to go sit on the bench for two minutes and watch my the rest of my team try and fight it out there with six players on court. I was playing with Casey Kopua. <laughs> The time in the circle. We had a laugh about it afterwards, a few, few months afterwards. few months, yeah,
1: not immediately. That
2: I left her alone in the circle. Um, but amazing coach, Nolene, put me back out there after my two minutes. She didn't replace me. She made me go back on there and fix my own mistake. There was only like three minutes to go in the game anyway. But yeah, I had to tail between the legs,
1: <laughs> go back out on court. Um, yeah, when you're when you when you're sent off and you're sitting on that sideline, bear in mind the the significance of the the game. You know, yeah. being your debut for the Silver Ferns. How do you hold the emotions? On how do you not burst into tears?
2: Um, adrenaline, yeah. I think, was keeping me keeping me going. Um, I think I went back to the hotel. The first thing I did was Google whether anybody else had been sent off because at that point, <laughs> like. Red cards and send-offs weren't, like, necessarily such a big thing. Like, recently we've had a few more of those happening, but at that point it wasn't really a thing. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. um George... Well, Bailey, at that point, had been sent off in a World Cup game. And I was like, okay, it's okay. It's, I'm not the only one. <laughs> uh, but I was still stressing out. Um And I didn't get any communication from the coaches. I was like, oh, no, this is me. This is my career over. Um, Had the worst sleep ever that night. Um, but We had our one-on-ones the next morning. And I got called in. Amazing coach that Nolene is. She sat me down and she's like just trying to understand what my thinking was around why I did what I did, and how it happened, um, talked it through, and she's like, great, well now you've learned, don't do that again, and um, yeah, the next tour, I, I got game time, I got starting lineup, so yeah, just testament to the coach that she is, that she's very big on players learning from their mistakes. If you learn from your mistakes, I think she's happy. It's when you don't learn that's that's when you're in trouble.
1: Yeah, in reflection, I suppose that would have been really mean just to throw you out with the bathwater, yeah. you know, on your first day, boo. So it's good that they gave you another shot. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. But so, okay, so, yeah, so, so no one says anything after the game.
2: Um, so it's I'll like be, silence
1: till the next day.
2: It's that awkwardness because you know you did wrong, uh. you know. Um, and so they don't want to justify it by being like, no, that was like unlucky for you because you did wrong. You have to acknowledge that. But I did have the support from the players that like, it's OK, it's not the end of the world. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's torn between two because you need to acknowledge that you made a mistake because that's how you learn from it. But getting that love from the players was... Very much. <laughs> Thank goodness.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can look back and laugh about it now with yeah, you know, fifty tests under your I know, under your belt. I it's know.
2: A, I don't hide from it. Yeah. I think. Um, at the start, I was like, oh, I just don't want anybody to mention it. But it's like you say, you learn from your mistakes and it's so important to learn from them. So I quite often mention it. A lot of people don't even know about it and I would bring it up. I was like, well, I have been sent off <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I learned from it. So
1: so is your um, is your recollections of your test debut for New Zealand all bad because of that? or a- No. No, no.
2: Um, To be honest, I can't really remember too much about my first few games anyway. So um, my key things I remember um, are my first starting lineup game and my first time playing against South Africa that's the my key memories Mm. from my early days on so I don't think I really remember much about anything else um and then in terms of the world cup there was an amazing experience I wasn't necessarily on in the very last game but my personally for me was at that point I hadn't had my family on the sidelines since I left New Zealand uh for New Zealand so um, I heard my mum. I think it was one game. I think we were playing like against Botswana or something. Um, but I would always remember that game because I grew up with my family on the sidelines, wherever anybody had anything. I was like, we've got this motto in our family, one for all and all for one. So mm. wherever one went, the other went. So whenever I had sports tours, they were on the sideline. I could always hear them. And in this specific game, I think I went up for an intercept or something and I could vividly hear my mum's voice in the crowd. Um, Um, And that's something I would – that was my highlight of that (laughs) World Cup because that's something that will stick with me. And the fact that she made the effort to come and watch me um, and to be there to support me was, yeah, amazing.
1: Is that the 2019 World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, where Silver Ferns won?
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that was an amazing campaign. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have been in a team with amazing players, legends of the game, um, Laura Langman, Maria Falau, and um, Casey Kopwa who are amazing players. And the campaign, it was a gruelling campaign leading into that World Cup. What we went through physically and mentally prepared us for that final. And, um, yeah, I think we still, to this day, there was a December camp that we <laughs> We absolutely got smashed and anything we go into ever since then was like, is it going to be like that camp? We compare everything to that camp. So, um, but loved it, loved it. I hate it at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. What are the other like standout moments or highlights in your career, do you think?
2: Obviously my first um game against South Africa, especially having a starting lineup in that game as well. Um, I often quite get out ar- or quite often got asked, what it is like playing against my home country mm. um I didn't know any of the players personally that were in the team, so I didn't have that personal connection with them, and I never played in that team myself, so I didn't have that connection with them. The only connection I really have is the fact that they are from my home country, um, and that I could sometimes understand what they were saying on court
1: when (laughs) they were talking to each other. (laughs) It's got to—it's got to be so weird though, with um, hearing the anthem though. Like that's probably the two anthems pre-game that bring you goosebumps.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably the the weirdest thing for me is standing um, in the black dress um, facing the opposition and trying to not sing along to the South African um, anthem. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really, like, this is the thing that I grew up not knowing how amazing our anthem really was until I moved here. And everyone, so many New Zealanders t- um, tell me about how they love the South African anthem and how beautiful it is. And it's not till you hear that kind of thing. I was like, actually, yes, it is really beautiful. Um, so yeah, new appreciation for mm. it, but really heart trying to not sing along. Yeah, to it. Yeah. I mean, I sing along to it in my head, but
1: <laughs> well, I suppose it's that saying, like absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Eh? So the, the longer you are away from your birthplace, the more of a connection you feel to it. Perhaps I don't know.
2: Yeah. I, um, It's just amazing that the support recently as well and going back and playing the World Cup this year in South Africa as well, um, the amount of support I get from, from the family and friends over there, I do feel like I can do more in terms of my connection with back home. Um, Because I left at such an early age, not very many people know how long I actually lived in South Africa. And so I don't necessarily have that strong of a connection with when I do go back there. Um, Sometimes people are quite surprised. I was like, oh my gosh, you're South African. (laughs) I was like, yeah, yes, I am. And I spent quite a decent time there too. So I I don't want to lose that that, um, side of me.
1: Yeah, because your accent's not that strong, is it?
2: I know. So this is the funny thing. Like when I go home, I don't like speaking English because obviously like, oh, why are you? What do, what do you speak? On? Is
1: it Afrikaans? Afrikaans, right.
2: yeah. Home language is Afrikaans. And so growing up, um obviously second language is a mandatory thing in New Zealand uh, in South Africa especially English because we've got so many different languages we've got like 13 different languages so you have to have a common one to actually understand each other so um <laughs> at school you've got your main language which to me was Afrikaans um but we have to learn English from a like young young age so I could speak it I can understand it fluently all good but I never used it because I grew up in in a like, really small town, it's pretty much just Afrikaans, only spoke Afrikaans. So my first real like chucking in the deep end was in New Zealand, where I had to speak it on a daily basis. Like That's probably also why the combination of being shy and that language barrier, I wouldn't really approach people or talk to people because I was translating in my head before I spoke. Whereas now whether, whether I'm Afrikaans in the Afrikaans or English environment, I think in the language that I'm speaking. But back then, I was thinking in Afrikaans, and I was like, right, I need to translate. And so it took me a bit longer to reply to or respond to people. Um, <laughs> like
1: a buffering computer.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and quite often use the wrong words or tenses or stuff, but... Um, yeah, so pretty much just thrown in the deep end to have to speak it on a daily basis, and I think that's where I picked mm. it up because I my first time using it that much was here. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm I'm an idiot that can only speak one language, and and that, and that's English. So so explain that to me. So you you're thinking in your head in Afrikaans, and then you're then you're trying to translate it before you say it out loud.
2: Yeah, like I would think about what I want to say before I say it. Like so, I would hear it and. I was like, right, this is what I wanna say and then I would translate it. And I was like, okay, now I need to say it. <laughs> oh
1: my god. Um, it's gonna take such a long time to order a coffee or yeah, something. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but that was back then. Right. And so the and that's why, like Fully immersing yourself in that culture is the best way to do it because now when I go home, predominantly I speak Afrikaans. Um, And yes, okay, it takes me a couple of days to not get stuck on words. Uh, But the moment I'm in an Afrikaans environment, it just flows and I just think Afrikaans, speak Afrikaans. And then I come home to New Zealand. Well, I've got so many homes. (laughs) And then I come home to New Zealand. um, And then I was like, right. Couple of days to just get the brain re- regathered, um, and then think English, speak English. Yeah. yeah. So, so
1: when you play South Africa and you can hear them speaking Afrikaans, what what sort of things are they saying?
2: Oh, just like stuff about. Um if something's not working, what they're going to do to fix it. Right. Or, um, like, well, maybe on the center pass, they're going to say what they're going to do. And I'll be like, right guys, we need to do this because they're doing this. So, um, it's
1: amazing intel, isn't yeah,
2: it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's like, you have to relay that message quite quickly to the other people. So
1: no time um, to do the translate. No,
2: no. So <laughs> quite often it's not really use useful to know because it's not like you can relate to the rest yeah. of the team in that quick few seconds. But yeah, it's quite interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you play poorly, how do, how how quickly do you bounce back, or when something goes wrong? Like we we touched upon before the um, the mm. test debut with the send off. Yeah, yeah. What what for you makes a good game and a bad game?
2: I um.
1: Well, last night, for example, uh, yeah. your fiftieth test match where you won against Australia was that a good game?
0: Um.
2: I I would base it off a team effort but also an individual effort and in how I helped my team. I used to rate myself on how much ball I got, how many intercepts I got. Um, but when you start playing international level, it's so hard getting ball. And so if you get stuck on just um, that's the way I rate myself um, – I can get down on myself quite harshly and I was like no I still do a good job I still need to tell myself I'm doing a good job so like last night we didn't get heaps of ball but we got ball and I think to me it's about what I did for my unit and how I contributed to my unit obviously the best thing to know that you did all right was the fact that you stayed on court in the first (laughs) Uh, instance. I didn't get sent (laughs) off again. um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it's just how I helped my unit and um, the Kiwi style is very much to be playing together and for each other um so how I helped my unit to get for and that's that's and your style like again amazing coach who knows what your strength is and you would have seen in the last couple of games she made strategic changes to make a difference um because she knows what every single player offers and what their strengths are and so that's all she ever asks of you to do is just bring your best and so that's what I know. I know what my strengths are. They constantly ask us, "What's your strength? How do we get the best out of you?" And so I know what I need to go do. And as long as I do that well, then I'm then I'm happy. Mm. Yeah. And
1: and do you have like a like a post analysis or anything with Dame Nolan And we yeah, really. When does that take place? So you've um, just finished the four game series.
2: Well not necessarily after the four games usually we have a series debrief um yes like we had one after the English series especially going into another series we had to do that what's the goods the bads what we need to work on all that kind of stuff and then we took it into the next series so because we don't have anything else on for the rest of the year it's not necessarily such a big focus for us um we've only got one coming up next January but I'm sure there will be things that because we also finished on a high and things were going quite well there's obviously a lot of a bit less to have to worry about and focus on, um, but yeah, no, we do have a team debrief after the series to know what we did well, what we need to keep doing, and what we need to change to to be better.
1: Yeah, you and uh, Dame Nolene must have a special relationship because she's been your your coach through your entire time at the the Silver Ferns. Mm, five
2: yeah, years. she's. Um, it's like, I've been under her for so long and still like, who is was I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, another experienced player, but we were saying it's still, I wouldn't say intimidating, but the aura and the person that she is, you it's out of respect that you still fear her. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's a good way. A good fear. Yes. (laughs) We absolutely have so much respect for her. Um, um, And like, And again, the kind of coach that she is, Uh, if you play hard and you play well, you will get your opportunities, you get feedback, you get told what you do well and what you need to work on. So you're always clear on what you need to fix or what she wants you to do. Um, And that clarity means a lot for us as players. Um, So I want to say I've got a really good relationship with her, but um, so much respect for her and the coach that she is. I mean, she's done amazing things that um, it's that it's still that respect and fear kind of mm. thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's an
1: interesting, interesting relationship and an interesting relationship um, from her perspective to the players as well. Like when you've got someone like you, who she's uh, worked with and selected since you were 25 and you're 30 now, I mean, if she's around long enough, there's going to you know, eventually maybe become a time where she's going to make a hard decision about you.
2: 100%. And um, like, but that's the great environment that we have in our team as well. We've got so many young ones coming through. And the coach that is, if you do the job and you do really well, you will be out there and you will be selected. Um And for us as older players or more experienced players, rephrase
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, by the way, way, I'm I'm sitting here, I'm I'm fucking 50. I'm old. Like you're, you're sports old, but you're still very young in life.
2: Uh I keep telling myself that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, for our more experienced players, we need those young ones nipping at our heels to make us better players. Just like when I first came in, in Katrina, um, Rorya was playing, you know, she was the more experienced player and we were battling for that bib. And so she was having to go hard because I was nipping at her heels, whereas I had to go hard because she had experience over me. So, um it's, it's, it's an exciting time to know we've got so many young ones coming through and to have that competition is a good thing. It's, a re- it's hard, but it's really good. Yeah. yeah.
1: And now um, the Birmingham Commonwealth Games last year, um, I know you were, you were very excited about this and then you had like a foot injury, an ankle injury. Yeah, my yeah.
2: first big injury. Um,
1: How long were you out for?
2: Six months. Yeah,
1: so you missed the missed the the Commonwealth Games, and the the girls won a uh, bronze.
2: Uh, yes, bronze. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I. How
1: was that? Take us back to the point of the injury.
2: I think I have a, a an idea that I'd been playing with it for the domestic season. It just progressively got worse and worse. Um, but I mean, we were doing the scans and the things. We're doing the necessary things, but nothing was showing up. Um, but I was like anti-inflammatories, painkillers, good to go. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> Check some cortisone in there. <laughs> gosh. Um,
2: so, yeah, I, it was our very last game. We didn't have a good season that year with the tactics. Um, but our very last game I remember was against the Pulse at um Christchurch Arena. Went up for an intercept against Tiana, and I landed really hard. Um, and at that point. Uh, the painkillers don't want to work anymore. Mm. Um, so I was hobbling. It was only three minutes left to go in the game. I'm the kind of player, unless you're going to sub me off, I'm not going off by my own um, will. So um, coach wasn't calling it, so I was pretty much just hobbling for the three minutes on court. Um, and then they put me, because the selections were coming up for com games and all that kind of stuff, or com games were coming up, they put me in a moon boot precautionary uh, while they were doing all the tests and stuff. Um and I'd gone for my scan. Uh, I was in the gym. I was ready to go that morning when I got the news. I went to the gym, I was still in my moon boot, it was pretty much took it off to go do some lifts. And then I got a message from the physio that said, um, we've got the scans back and it doesn't look promising. Um, but and and I, he immediately he was like, Um, yeah, it looks like you might have a fracture. My brain refusing to accept it was like okay, I might be out for a couple of weeks. This is, it's all right. I can do this. It's fine. So I immediately put my boot back on and I ring him and I was like, what does this mean? Two weeks, three weeks. What am I doing? And he was like, no, this, no, this doesn't look like this is going to be an operation. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <I've been laughs> After playing- the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> hold up, hold up. I've been playing with painkillers for the last yeah. season. I think I can stick it through. It's like, if this is on me, he was like, it's a fracture. I was like this is, if it's on me, like if I'm willing to take painkillers, can I just stick it through? Can I just go really hard? And he's like, probably not because it will eventually snap or whatever. Or like, you know, with noses as always, if you're not 100%, you're adding to the load of other players. Mm. So I completely understood at that point that. That just – I wasn't going to be – Okay,
1: so in other words, it would have been like selfish for you to be playing because you're not playing to your potential.
2: Yes, did yeah. you Did you
1: remind them that Richie McCaw won the 2011 World Cup with a broken fucking foot? Well,
2: the other thing was that, you know, our trainings are really brutal and so – if you are nursing an injury, you can't be in all the trainings, which means you're adding to load with other players. They're having to make up for your load in trainings just so that you can play a game. And that's unfair. And that's
1: a good way of looking at it. I never thought about framing it that way, but yeah, that's a great way of looking at yeah. it. It's so, kind of, it's almost selfish in a way.
2: Exactly. So I got that call um, and he said, well, go to the doctor's and just get the confirmation that that it is what it is. And I was still saying in the drive over, I was like, no, they had it wrong. It's not what it is. But unfortunately, the doctor told me, yep, you can see the little line right there. It's like the tiniest little fracture and the tiniest little bone (laughs) in my foot. And I was like, this is so stupid. Um, But yeah, I went back out after I got the news, got in the car and I immediately rung mum. And I just bawled my eyes out. I was like, this is that, it was the worst. Um, but I gave myself a day or two to sulk about it and cry about it. And I was like, I need to get on with it. It's not the end of the world. Other people have had injuries, it's fine. Um, so I pretty much scheduled my surgery for a couple of weeks after that. Um, went straight into surgery and I was like silver lining at that point. I hadn't seen my family for about three or four years. So I was like, I'm booking a holiday to go home. So I got to go home and see my family. It was hard. Um, I, I want to say I supported the girls, which I did in my heart. I did, but it was really hard to watch. Um, so any com games. So <laughs> whenever at home, um, there was any like, doesn't matter what sport it was. Um, I don't want to be in the room when it was on the TV. So I would just leave. And my family was massive supporters. So they watched all the games. And they, um, they got a bit annoyed at me that I don't want to watch the games with them. But I was like, no, you guys can really watch, but I'm going to go to my room. Like, I, I can't. Yeah, my just too hard. My heart was hurting. Yeah. Um, I did end up watching their final game, though, their bronze game. So I muster up the courage. I was like, no, I need to at least watch this one for them. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was an experience that uh, I know I need to take better care of my body after that. It was six months. I had a downtime. I was like, this is a perfect opportunity for me to look at what I need to work on, what I can do better, um, how to take care of my body better. So I enjoyed my six months off. Mm. <laughs> as bad as it was, not going to come games. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot about myself.
1: Mm. Did you? What were the key takeaways, you reckon?
2: Gosh, I think um, smarter, not harder. Harder is not always the answer. Um, And I think at that point, uh, I was. I didn't like listening to the doctors and the physios when they told me something because I was like, <laughs> "No, I can do this." Like, don't tell me. Um,
1: You're so determined, <laughs> eh? But you know what? It's um, it's a it, it's a superpower in a way because oh, it's like gosh. it's it's this dogged determination is yeah. Because yeah.
2: I mean that that's where I was like, no, even if it's the smallest niggle, I need to mention it because it can turn into something big, um, and so need to take better care of my body, need to acknowledge that doctors and physios know more than I do. (laughs) So if they tell you not to do something, you don't do it. Um, So that was a key learning. And obviously harder is not always the answer. You can be smarter about it. Um, But then life outside a netball as well. Um, you know, when things are going well, you don't really want to change too much in the routines and the Mm. things that you do. But the six months that I had, I was like perfect opportunity to experiment a little bit. So I experimented in my diet and how I did things as well. And, um, I've been lactose-free for ages at that point, for a few years. um, And then I decided to go gluten-free as well. I had a grumbly tummy for years and years and I just let it be. Um, And then I went gluten-free and it's been amazing. Um, And challenge myself with, no, oh my gosh, and mummies will tell you, I'm really really big sweet tooth and she used to be my roomie and she always tells me I was the worst roomie to be amongst (laughs) because I was so bad with my treats but I started challenging myself to stay away from treats as well so and um The difference, not necessarily that I just saw, but felt in my body was quite interesting. And so I was interested in behind the science of food and why it did the the things that it did and what it did. So that's where my interest in nutrition started coming in. So I had a plan of what I wanted to do after netball. So it was a good six months. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of learnings.
1: I feel like you just have this natural ability. In any situation, there is always a silver lining, isn't there? Or there's an upside. Um, But sometimes it's very difficult to find or see that even if you search very very hard but it seems like you managed to find that with the commonwealth games (laughs) situation relatively quickly
2: that's the best way to get out of your funk um is to try and see the good things in life um sometimes it's a bit harder (laughs) sometimes you need that support um and you need that somebody to pull you through uh but i think you have to look at it like that. Otherwise, you're just going to get stay stuck in that mentality of, hmm. you know, the world is against
1: me. So, nah. <laughs> well, good for you. And do you have like a sports psychologist or anything in the team? Or? Yeah, we
2: do have a sports psychologist, um, Rodney. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we can use him. We can utilize him. Again, this is where in the past I was like, oh, I don't need that. You know, it's like, mm, why would I want to do that? I'm happy. I'm, I'm good to go. But it's... Um, Learning skills about yourself and how to be a better athlete is quite good in that perspective. So, um, yes, we do have somebody to help us to go to, um, which is quite nice. We're quite fortunate.
1: Oh, I get the feeling you don't have too much to do with Rodney. Or do you, <laughs> did you lean on him during that, um, the Commonwealth Games time? Or it was quite funny. Really? I, was,
2: I, was, uh, I was laughing because when I heard the news, this was the Friday I think I heard the news, and I told myself I'm going to give myself the weekend to sulk. But I got in touch because they were like, we think it's important that you do get in touch with Rod. Mm. So I messaged Rod and I was like, Rod, I need to talk to you. Um, but I'm taking this weekend for myself. Um, at that point, I thought he'd knew, like, you know, cause when like the, got the structure up there. So they tend to share that, you know, this person's out, whatever. So I thought he knew about my injury. And so the Monday when we scheduled the Skype or the Microsoft or Teams meeting, whatever, um, he was like, right, Karen, what, what's going on? And, <laughs> he hadn't heard about my injury. So he thought I was going through like this massive oh. life crisis. And I was like depressed and like going through this massive ordeal. And he was like, ready. he's like, I had my books reading. I had my questions reading. I was like, right. I'm, I'm just injured. I'm just not going to come games. And he's like, Oh, okay. I thought you were going through it. And I was like, no, no, no. It's just, you know, I'm, ha- I'm having to deal with this now, and I've never dealt with this before. I don't know. I mm. oh, don't
1: you, you shouldn't be downplaying this. So, this is a this is a big piece of adversity you went through.
2: Yeah. Um I I think that's um a good and a bad thing about me um is that whether I had success or a tough time, I don't necessarily acknowledge it for what it is. I like I'm not great with the touchy-feely kind of stuff (laughs) and I think that's why also i Rod knows this that's why I also avoid him because I don't (laughs) like getting into that touchy-feely stuff and I hate crying in front of people even though like I do I can cry easily if I am emotional I hate crying in front of people
1: do you why is that I
2: don't know. I don't know whether it's a vulnerable thing You're, or.
1: I used to be. I used to have massive, massive walls up, and I've mm. um, been trying to get better the last few years to sort of like tear them down a little bit because I know like vulnerability is like another sort of superpower. Are you? Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I get the feeling you've got walls up. Um. Do you? Or is that I unfair?
2: Probably no, no. That's probably a f- that's probably fear. I think uh, my circle is quite small. Um and like i mentioned with my time um who i give my time to um is limited <laughs> um, you got shit to do i do yeah. i do <laughs> um but also um i do like i trust people until you give me reason not to um but when it comes to my personal tight knit thing uh, it, yeah i don't have many people that i have that close to me um so yeah, I, I guess I do have walls, but once once you're in, you're in.
1: <laughs> you're in, you're in that inner circle. Geez, I feel like it'd be a l it's a it's a, a long way burrowing to get into that inner circle though, isn't it? <laughs> Seems like you you've mentioned your family a few times, like you're really close to them. So I'm mm. guessing they're in your inner circle, but I mean, um your technology's good with Teams and Zoom yes. and FaceTime and whatever, but yeah. it's they're still a long way away.
2: Yeah. Um and I think recently in the last few years it's gotten more real about not having that support system, immediate support system around me. Um, But I try not, like I don't want that to be the reason for me to suddenly start looking for, you know, a significant other or trying to, I think I was quite social. I tried to be quite social at the start or earlier in this year and it drained me so much because I was like, I need more people around me. I need to build my, you know, my circle, but it drained me so much and it, it actually was to my detriment. And I was like, I don't need this. I am happy with myself. Um, And, but it does, it does get lonely. <laughs> mm. It really does get lonely sometimes. Um, But it's, it's not forever. <laughs> and I know I've got the right people around me when I need them.
1: Um, so, yeah. How's your mental health been over the years? Has it been pretty good? Yeah. Mostly good.
2: Well, yes. Again, like I try.
1: You're not just sweeping everything under the rug.
2: Rod might tell you I do sometimes.
1: <laughs> Rod wouldn't know. You've only had two meetings with him in five years. Avoidance,
2: <laughs> no. avoidance, It's key.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. Um... No, you seem
1: pretty good. Like the. I mean, this is the first time we've met, and we've been chatting for like an hour twenty now, and you just, I, I get the the definite impression of someone that's um. Just relentlessly optimistic and positive and glass half full.
2: I think I'm fortunate to have the ability to most of the time, 90% of the time, when I don't, when something's happened to me that I don't like or it's a bad, if I can't do anything about it, I just switch off from it. I I can't do anything about it. There's no point of stressing about it. So I'm fortunate enough to have that ability to just switch it off and be mm. like, no, I'm not going to worry myself about that. And so that keeps me in a good positive mindset. But um, it's not always like that. It definitely isn't.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to approach things, though, because you know, everyone will tell you, don't worry about the things that are out of your control. Yeah. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? hundred
2: yeah. percent. And I think I'm sometimes guilty of that because I've got like a, a sister that is – very much a worrywart like she takes on the world's problems um and so she's just like this massive mother at heart and so she is very big on worrying and like caring for others and so my advice to her would always be like why like why are you doing this like but that's her personality and that is who she is so it's so much harder for someone like that to just be able to switch off yeah. um so that's why i said at the start i'm fortunate to have that ability to be able to do that but it can be at a detriment to myself sometimes as well because sometimes you do need to feel those things and mm. you do need to work through them and not pile them up. So yeah, working on that aspect of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like you're always going to have something that you're, that you're working on. Yeah. Uh, hey, like you have
2: you're, to. It's that constant improvement, trying to be a better person yeah. every day. You have to.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's inspiring. Oh. <laughs> it's inspiring. And what, what's your inner voice like? Are you mostly kind to yourself? Cause I know, I know if you're, mm. um, I, I don't know, I've probably over the years had, um, sort of like a perfectionism complex. It sounds it can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing as well. Yeah. Are you mostly mostly kind to yourself or you you quite hard on yourself.
2: I think probably more leaning towards being hard on myself, yeah. but I think that is expected of a person like high performing athletes. <laughs> That's the mentality that we have as well that doesn't matter how good you are, you can always be better. Um and so um, that's where I have to say in the last couple of years, my specifically my sister but also my mum have come into play really well in reminding me that what I've have done and how far I have come and how good I am um because I'm always uh downplaying things that I do um and I, I started this or uh, well, I try. <laughs> um Jay Galdard, he started this etu tangata concept about tall poppy syndrome and that um we're too humble sometimes. And I come from a history of I hate cockiness and arrogance. I cannot stand it. Um and but it's that fine line of acknowledging when you are doing well and being proud of yourself and celebrating that. And so that's what I'm trying to work on myself a little bit more is celebrating myself and being proud of myself Mm. a little bit more rather than always like downplaying or being harsh on myself. And my sister's been really good. That voice in the background for me, because I know they'll be very open and honest with me when I'm not doing something well or when I need to be better. So coming from them that support and be like, no, you are doing really well. (laughs) Don't be so down on yourself.
1: is quite good. Yeah. And I, I I think there's a difference between being, um, being proud of yourself and being able to acknowledge what you've done and thinking that your shit doesn't stink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is um, total poppy a big thing in South Africa as well? It's a massive thing here in New Zealand.
2: No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, not that I would say it is. Mm. No. Um, I think that it's pretty much a thing here. But I love that about New Zealand as well. I love the humble side. Um, it's just having that fine line of being humble but celebrating the good things as well. And I think that's where, that's where I would like to see it go is that we do celebrate and not just um, ourselves but each other. And I think that's more important because if you get that celebration from others, you're more inclined to do it for yourself too. Yeah. You don't want to be that person and be like, "Oh, I'm so good" or "I'm doing this." But when the people around you are doing it for you, you're like, "Oh, yeah, maybe I am doing well."
1: <laughs> well, you, you are. Yeah. You are. And I feel like today of all days is um is a time where you should pause and reflect on what you've done. I mean, you just yeah. finished the series against Australia. You've played 50 games for New Zealand, um, and the the road that you took to get here. It's um, it's incredible. It's a hell of a journey. So you, do, nice. you do deserve to pat yourself on the back.
2: <laughs> yeah, we had um, Wendy Frew, who is an amazing um, player down in the South Island. Um, Southland. She um, she got fifteen minutes out on court um, in the black dress, um, and she came into our camp before our Invercargill game because um, we're trying to connect with our player past players, uh, and she had a chat about how she wished it could have been more and how she relished the few minutes that she had out on court and so when you hear something like that it just reminds you that you know it's every second out there every moment in that black dress is a absolute privilege and an honor and you need to relish that moment for as long as you can because you don't know how long it's going to last so I think after having that chat with her and now being able to celebrate my 50 games yeah. it's hard when it's about me. When I'm celebrating other people's 50th, I was like, this is amazing. You've played so many games. But when it's about me, it's like, gosh, you just can't believe it almost. Mm. So it's hard to celebrate. Oh, that's really
1: cool. <laughs> and I've, I've heard you reference the black dress um, a few times, uh, sort of the, 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 the same way that the All Blacks mentioned the black jersey. Mm. Do you get like um, a new black dress each game?
2: We um, get a new one every year. So our year runs um, August till September. Um, so you pretty much get a new allocation whenever you get selected in the squad. You get your two dresses. Um, two dresses a year? Two dresses a year. <laughs> oh, so you don't then get one. You we one, wash it, one. it. We wash it oh, every oh. night <laughs> and we don't put it in the washing machine either. No, no. You hand wash it in your bathroom and then you wring it dry and then you, yeah. Is it you
1: know, a out of necessity because you have to. You We've only got two dresses. Right.
2: So if it goes out in the wash and it doesn't come back or the washing machine does something to, it, you know, whatever it is. If it, it goes is.
1: missing, it's yeah, you're screwed.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we have to take very good care oh, of our oh, two oh. dresses.
1: Because <laughs> the All Blacks get, like a, a, they, they get um, a jersey presented before each game and it's got like l- black, black embroidery with them, who they're playing and oh. the date and stuff. Maybe. Really? Oh. So from your five years, you've got like Goodness. 10 dresses.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, or well, actually, <laughs> cr- correction for pinnacle events, there'll yeah, be a yeah. separate dress for a pinnacle event. So for Com Games, you would have had your allocation for the year, but Com Games had its specific dress and World Cup had its specific dress. So every now and then, you get four dresses a year. Um, but I mean, it just makes that dress for me, not that obviously the All Blacks jersey won't be more special, but it makes that physical dress so much more special because I know all my games, all my blood, sweat and tears was in that specific dress. So handing what I do with that dress means so much more to me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's cool. What 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 do you think you'll do with them at the end of your career? I've, you seem so humble. I can't imagine you ever framing them and having them in a – Oh,
2: a... yeah. Well, so I've held on to one dress and then one um, – if I had someone really special to me that year that meant a lot for me, um, I would give that dress to that special person. So I've held on to at least one of each allocation. Same with my franchise dresses. I've got so many of them as well. Um, and – we, after our last World Cup, uh, Gina Crampton and Tobias Selby Rickett, they um had a contact in the South Island. They had this massive frame, um, and they framed their dresses and uh, with big collage of photos of themselves playing and the medal. It looks amazing. Mm. Um, and as amazing as it looks, I was like, what am I gonna do with this? Like, I don't want to put it up in my house, <laughs> like, but then I thought yeah. about it, okay. It's-
1: it's cool though.
2: I know. So I've thought about it and I think um one day when I have my own big house I want my own little gym set up my room with my gym set up and I'm I will frame um I, I don't know if I can frame all of them because there'll be too many of them, but I'll frame my key ones and I'll try and put them up, and that will be my memorabilia gym slash gym workout room, so hopefully that's the plan one day. Yeah, with them.
1: I like it. oh that's a good plan. Um, and you turned thirty in April this year, which is a a big milestone birthday. um yes how yeah how how did that make you feel? because it's um as we touched upon before, on the big scheme of life, you're still very, very young.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily feel thirty. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'm like, oh gosh, I can't believe I am. Um, but I just try and remind myself like I've got so many more years ahead of me. And just because so I'm thirty, many. So, like who, mm. cares?
1: <laughs> yeah, <I'll, laughs> who I'll, cares? And I'll tell you something from um the perspective of being fifty now. Um, <laughs> you, you, I, I still feel young in my mind. Like, you you still feel young in your mind. Your mind doesn't really sort of age necessarily. Yeah. Like, you evolve and you change, of course, but your mind doesn't really change. And I feel like um,
2: that if you put that out there, like, that mm. aura of, like, I'm young and I'm still, like, you know – People like a lot of people don't believe I'm thirty until I tell them I'm thirty. So again, it's as you're as old as you feel. And why, like, why does age matter anyway? You know, mm. <laughs> it's what you do with it.
1: Yeah, but I suppose from a like a, a high performance sporting oh, yes. perspe- perspective, you you must be aware that you're probably uh, closer to the end than the start.
2: Yes, which is like sad. It, yeah, is it? Yeah, because I'm like I know I've been in it for like five years, but. I also feel like I just started the other day and I know how quickly time goes by. So um, body-wise, I feel like I want to push for another World Cup, which is four years away. I wouldn't want to finish, but depending on how the body and I would want to go out on my own terms as well. So um, definitely aiming for another four years and knowing how quickly time goes by. I want to try and enjoy it as much as I can. Um, So, but hopefully the body can hold out longer. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Would that be the dream? Four more years and then finish on your own terms at 34 chapter closed.
2: Well, it depends on what goes on in my life outside. You know, Um, we've got like a few mums in the team who'd probably have a different perspective of what netball looks like for them. Um, And then you get young ones who've got no idea, you know, Mm. (laughs) very much starting their journey. So I think for me, I've made netball my priority for so long, I know I need to start focusing on life outside of netball a little bit more, and and so I can't make those calls just yet. At the moment, in terms of performance, I want to push for another four years. You never know, I might get to 34, still be single, still only have netball, so I might want to push for longer, or at that point, I might have a partner, I might want to settle down, so... Mm. You
1: never know. Yeah do do you, do you want to find a partner or do you think you're quite happy on your own? I feel like society puts a lot of pressure on people, especially when you get to a certain age that you should yeah, have a partner. Yeah. Um, you did mention before, just in passing, that you're lonely sometimes. Yeah. Um. Not. No, there's nothing wrong. I don't think with being alone, but being lonely is not great.
2: It's not very often that I do feel lonely. I think the only times I do would probably be when you want that that person or that like like that hug or that person to go to or just that that comfort that you don't necessarily have because I don't have my immediate family around me or you know when you go to events <laughs> you don't have that plus one to go with um so there's very few times that I do feel lonely and so I'm not willing to offer up uh or yeah I I'm, want, I'm wanting the right t- person in the right time I'm not willing to offer up my time and unnecessary effort um, for those few moments that I feel lonely
1: mm. <laughs> so, yeah, if, yeah. If, you, if you go out with someone how, how long do you give it before you know like before you know if there's a spark there or not
2: uh, I'm a feeling person Obviously, I have to be attracted to some degree mm. to that person, but I'm very much a feeling person, um, and I can I can probably tell within the first few dates <laughs> um, whether I can see it going anywhere. Um, but I always try and give things the benefit of the doubt, and I try mm. and you know see where it goes. I think feeling wise, because I'm a feeling person, quite quickly.
1: Mm. First few dates—that's quite generous. I thought I expected you to say like first few minutes, almost. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. It well, seems I like think... you're a, you're a lady that doesn't want to waste a minute of time that you got. Yeah, hit.
2: but I'm also, um, uh like that benefit of the doubt kind of thing. Like the person I am when you first meet me might not necessarily be the true me because you know you might be nervous or like, there's something going on or whatever. So do try and give it actually that time and effort because you don't want to be like, nah, 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 nah. And dismiss it too quickly. Something. Yeah. yeah. So I'm also like give it the time that it needs. Yeah. And just, like, just like, just
1: like Dame Nolan gave you the time you need exactly, after your first test.
2: Exactly. Bad first
1: impression, but you, <laughs> you came good.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I mean, who knows? I know nothing about like, you know, love and that kind of stuff. I'm like, some people say it's love at first sight others say it's something you develop and you build into i'm like who knows mm. i think everybody's different so i'm just winging it yeah
1: are you are you religious
2: i am yes i yeah. um, grew up christian so got those values behind me as well um but yeah, and I think that's also shaped me into the person I am as well, the way I think and the way I do things as well. Um, But I know there's a wide world out there, and I i definitely don't judge. I'm not, you know, you do you, I'll do me, mm-hmm. happy with that kind of thing, you know. So uh, as long as I get along with you and I, you know, connect with you, that's what's, what's important to me when I, like, build friendships or relationships. So, um, but yeah, very big Growing up, that was a big aspect of my life and and shaped me and the and my values and morals and and how I think about things.
1: Yeah, and now you live in a city called Christchurch. Church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to think of a more religious sounding place. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's cool. Oh no, I wondered because I've read a few interviews with you and you you use some phrase phrases like um, blessed quite a bit mm. and um, you talk about your creator and stuff. So I thought and and you just seem like a good. <laughs> a good person as well. So Aww. I thought maybe there's some religious backing there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but like also acknowledging, you know, um, there's a lot of other people that that s ne- n aren't necessarily and I think when you are like, Yes, I'm religious, people can be like, Oh, like are you judgy or that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, don't
1: don't try and ram it down my throat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I
2: think I'm very big on that. Like that's not my role to do at all. Um Yeah, so, it's fine
1: for you. Yeah. But could you could you date someone shorter than you? <laughs> I'm asking for a couple of friends who may not be as. T- you, 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 what's your height? You're quite yeah, tall, eh? Um,
2: in centimeters, 184. Right. Yeah. So, um, I actually I <laughs> went on a few dates with a uh, with a guy that was shorter than me, and um, beautiful guy, like gentleman, absolutely green flags, like lovely, um. And we still joke about it because we're still in touch. Like just because yeah. it didn't work out doesn't mean like I still enjoy still company. Yeah. yeah, um, and we still joke about it. But I'm like, it's nothing to do with the person. And I think that's sometimes hard to explain to them. I'm tall, so I come across big, and I like feeling small, and I I would like to feel small. So, um, it's probably more so a personal, um issue i'm dealing with that i probably want my partner to be taller than me yes
1: mm. are, you, are you quite self-conscious of your height no,
2: no no i'm not um used to be at school i hated it i also like, used to I never, yeah. yeah i never wore heels um oh my gosh i like my wardrobe's full of heels now i don't care i wear heels ever like platforms i'm always wearing platform <laughs> shoes um no, not anymore. i I love my height now. I absolutely enjoy it. Um, a lot harder finding a guy that's taller than me though, especially when I love wearing heels. but again, it's I know if the right person comes along and I have the that feeling towards them and they happen to be shorter than me. Um, I'll cross that bridge when we get
0: there. <laughs> you,
1: you need to You need to start hanging out at Breakers training camp. Also. Oh, <laughs> gosh.
2: Oh, I know everyone's always like, you need to find yourself an athlete. And I was like, well, yes and no. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's tall people that's not athletes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I'm really excited to see what the future um, brings to you. And I'm really excited to hear that your goal is to keep playing for as long as your body allows because mm. you've got so much to give. And I can't thank you enough for coming over today, the morning after your 50th game for the Silver (laughs) Ferns. It's been great to finally meet you.
2: Oh, gosh. Back to normal life, you know. Thank you so much for having me. I always love having a bit of a chat and um, because – when you have these kind of discussions with people, sometimes you realise or notice things about yourself. you didn't before because people tend to ask you questions you might not have thought about or have voiced out in the open. So, um, I mm. love having these chats. You learn so much about yourself. yeah as well. has
1: has there been anything that you can think of from this chat, or is it sort of like on the flight home later today that you're
2: probably on the flight home? Yeah, yeah I'll be thinking rethinking about what I said. <laughs> it's like, did I ever make myself look really stupid? <laughs>
1: Oh no, absolutely not Absolutely not In these conversations, if anyone's going to make themselves look stupid It's likely to be me oh, um, I always go into these chats um, Assuming I'm the dumbest person in the room And it's, uh, I think it's a good way to go about it Karen Berger, you are a great New Zealander Oh, can, can, I, can we call you a New Zealander? You're a New
2: Zealander? I think, yeah. Like yeah. 12 years, you know, I've pretty much. That's why I'm always saying I'm going home. Wherever I'm going, I'm going home. So I'm fortunate um, and blessed to have so many homes. Um, so I definitely call New Zealand home as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, best of luck for the future.
2: Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Karen Berger on the Dom Harvey Podcast, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Thank you very much for sticking around and listening all the way through. Any feedback, you can reach me anytime, domharveynz at gmail.com, or on Instagram, domharveynz. I always love it. I I can't get back to everyone that reaches out to me, but I always love uh, reading your correspondence, your feedback, your suggestions, your tips, whatever and I do read each and every piece and it means the world to me so thank you very much thanks again to the legions at Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode their backing this year has given me the opportunity to grow the podcast in ways that would have been impossible otherwise and I have absolutely no trouble raving about them because their products are world class check them out at RadixNutrition.co.nz RadixNutrition.co.nz and Radix, spelled R-A-D-I-X once you give their products a go once I would be very surprised if you don't go on to become a regular customer. All right, thanks once again. Really appreciate you guys, and I do hope to see you again next time on the Dom Harvey Podcast. See ya.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.